Welcome to a quick mini-sode. Mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. River Heights Radio mini-sode. They did you wrong. I'm Carl. And I'm Hope. And this is Grumper, They Did You Wrong. The villain from one of our latest books, The Mystery of the Tolling Bell. This character is maligned for a certain physical disability. It's never made clear how short this character is, but I believe it's pretty clear that the implication is he's rather short, which would mean he might have dwarfism. Once I looked back on the book in the light of understanding they were trying to imply without saying or gesture to this character's dwarfism, it was very obvious. I guess because I hadn't been anticipating such weird treatment of people with dwarfism, I totally missed it the first go through. I thought Nancy Drew was just talking about like a, a gentleman under six foot. Which was confusing. Yeah, but once you start to connect the dots, it becomes a troubling picture. I'm starting to think that each Nancy Drew novel picks a different like group of people in the United States and says this is why you shouldn't be like this. Oh, gross. Because um, the gimmick for each book seems to be this othering. What marginalized people are we going to work with today? So the Mayo Clinic defines dwarfism as short stature that results from a genetic or a medical condition. So there's a lot of different causes. Generally, it's defined as being under 4 foot 10. The average adult height for people with dwarfism is four feet tall. Many sources we read said midget is an offensive term that mm-hmm. should not be used. Yeah, I think, and I think that's pretty widespread in the public knowledge at this point. The Mayo Clinic uh, stepped out of the directly medical and said some people prefer the term short stature or little people to dwarf. It's important to be sensitive to the preferences of someone who has this disorder. That's an interesting point, that this is in fact a disorder. I think the one thing that most people would agree upon is they don't want Nancy Drew calling them an elf. Yes. So, Hope, you and I both have ADHD. Yes. Uh, which is also a disorder. Both of these would be considered disabilities under the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. But obviously for you and I, there's a, masking exists. Um, masking, which is basically neurotypical passing or even non-disability passing. Or an other who can seem not like another. Yeah, it's not something you see right away. But obviously anyone who is uh, short-statured, anyone who does have some sort of dwarfism knows that that's sometimes the first thing that's seen about them by other people. Children with dwarfism are particularly vulnerable to teasing, ridicule, because it's, I mean, this it's fairly uncommon in the United States. There's about 30,000 people with this in America. Children will often feel isolated. It's not something that is very widely talked about in a serious way. And I think we're going to speak on the fact that it's talked about, but unfortunately not in a way that's helpful. Which is why representation in children's literature is so very important. My main source right now is cultural representations of dwarfism and their disabling effect on dwarfs in society. I also found this article with like an even longer title but either way the author is Erin Pritchard. She argues these stereotypes are a lot of the most disabling part of this disorder being excluded and being othered and not being included. There is a way of looking at disabilities that I've learned about that talks about the fact a disability is only a disability when the world when 
and public spaces when things are built in a way that is inaccessible to you. Yeah. And there's a lot of reasons that someone with dwarfism shouldn't have much that's inaccessible. Uh, there are a lot of easy ways to make things accessible, but the social aspect is what really is the toughest to change. Until the social aspect changes, it's unlikely there are going to be physical changes to environments. You know, so children will think of first, like, you know, I don't know, Snow White, right? Or Wizard of Oz. Because in most of our media, people of short stature are portrayed as entertaining, frankly. Curiosities. Pritchard points out the line between fantastical or mythical and reality is very blurred when it comes to people with dwarfism. That's kind of something we dealt with in the Gypsy episode, too, where it becomes part of our stories in a way that make it not seen as a real thing that people deal with. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest differences there is with dwarfism. I don't really know. Like, the mythical idea of a dwarf may have come first. Certainly, it's very possible. It was inspired by people well, and it's, of that stature even back then. Yeah, and it's so obscured. This blurring of the mythical and the reality, Pritchard argues, blurs the boundary between fiction and disability. It doesn't help that little people are prominent in films where their dwarfism is their main feature and is played upon for comedy or for fantasy. Dwarfism on display, analyzing visual rhetorics of book covers on four children's literature chapter books by Megan Brown also seems to delve into this same topic. If I can quote, commodification of freakery for the gain of non-disabled readers is what you end up getting, and a reifying dominant ableist understanding. It becomes such a background understanding in people's minds without even seeing that that's the kind of ableist stance they're taking. Pritchard points out that dwarfism is one of the few impairments that has been used as a form of entertainment uh, for others throughout history. Yeah, this includes everything from the royal courts of right. old, uh, the freak shows in America's past yeah. and other places' past, and circuses. There's a literal fascination with people people who are different than mm -hmm. we are and I think a fear especially in America of people who are different than we've been taught by things like Nancy Drew mm -hmm. are the acceptable forms of Americans true, what's true is with dwarfism there's an added element of it is okay to stare mm -hmm. it is expected to gawk these people are here to entertain us and fascinate us. So while societally we are generally told not to laugh at people's appearances mm -hmm. or even draw attention. Say you see somebody who you think is ugly. You're not supposed to be like, ha 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 ha, that person's ugly. <laughs> You're not supposed to, know. We're generally taught not to do that. Right. If Maybe, maybe do it behind their back at the very least. <laughs> You sure. know, sure. Um, but in the case of little people, it's actually encouraged. And uh, if they don't laugh along, they are often seen as mean or grumpy. Right. Uh, getting back to our guy from Nancy Drew. Grumper. Which when you see it through the light of when you see him through the lens of being a person of small stature, what a gross thing to call him. Yeah, because they're clearly I think they're clearly making an allusion to grumpy. I mean, you have to wonder. It sailed a little bit under my radar because there are 
so many strange villain names in Nancy Drew. But yeah, you put that together with the fact that Nancy literally dreamed that the man was an elf. An elf. Yeah, because even Nancy herself, as a representation of America, must blur that line between what is fantastical and what is reality. She must have this dream when she first meets Grumper and is drugged. She has to have this drug fuel, maybe asleep, maybe awake, maybe half awake, we never know, dream about Grumper as an elf. Yeah, I guess it's so strange because there's no other situation in which Nancy Drew would rely on a dream to help her identify someone but something about someone being of short stature is so outside her purview of of normalcy she says oh i can connect the dream of that to the reality of this person and nancy usually so astute even once she meets grumper many times as she serves him in the cafe says wow that guy seems familiar but cannot identify the elf she dreamed about she even goes so far as to think he might be in theater because again he's a he's a little person why wouldn't he be in some sort of entertainment role for her right and before she finally realizes oh no that's the elf quote unquote that i dreamt about and i think also the whole dream idea is meant to serve as comic relief throughout the book it's right. meant to be like, ah, ha, 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 Nancy's so crazy. She dreamt about elves. Mm-hmm. And the purpose within this novel sticks to that stereotypical, this person's here for entertainment. Well, as Pritchard points out, we have probably all seen the representations in media, and yet very few of us, by comparison, have met a person of small stature. This makes the portrayal of little people as happily laughed at and curiosities especially toxic. Because a majority of little people have been pointed at and laughed at by strangers who are for the first time encountering someone with dwarfism. Yes. Consequently, little people receive a lot of unwanted attention due to their appearance, including staring, verbal abuse, and they experience, therefore, social oppression and, within the media industry, exploitation. Mm -hmm. Another article I read was, Faulty fables, kids' books show disabilities inaccurately, why experts say, by Stevie Ann Stewart. Uh, And they point out that children's lit leads to stereotypes, such as seeing people with small stature as friendly, happy, gnome-like, tall hats who live with people like themselves, you know. And even even in, like, some of those TLC shows, I think we see a lot of, well, you know, people of small stature live with people of small stature, mm-hmm. which is so othering. Dwarves aren't portrayed as valued, you know, productive members of society, which leads to the difficulties that a person with a disability uh, has accessing uh, public facilities like ATM machines or library shelves and these things because they aren't thought of as real aren't addressed and you know we see this again with grumper he's just this bitter old man basically Mm -hmm. who steals things and obeys evil leaders it does for some reason team up with another small person yeah yeah you know it's just very strange yeah i wanted to point out one more troubling scene from this novel the mystery of tolling bell where nancy says can you bring this guy to the police station and he says yeah with one arm which like really ned like granted ned will take any opportunity to talk about how he can manhandle tackle or otherwise humiliate the villain but this is a specific thing you know he's he'd never said about anyone else oh yeah you know mm-hmm. whip him over my shoulder or whatever 
Yeah, and we talked about it at a basic level. Early on in the series, we, t we discussed how Nancy Drew can never save, like, just an evil man. Mm -hmm. If she saves a man, he's generally been starved for weeks. Mm. And he he's probably old as well or drugged. Yeah, and, she can, she can save men who are drugged, save men who are uh, elderly, but you'll never see her saving someone who is Ned. Yeah, and she can rescue as well. We see her rescue basically a child a book she's rescuing children left and right and i think that really speaks to something that is perhaps the other side of the coin from the entertainment value um is that you have the problem I mean, people don't always lack empathy but with ignorance empathy can be pretty twisted and i think that's when we see the infantilization that that mm. people dwarfism must have to constantly deal with mm. whether that's ned saying he'll carry him with one arm or a nancy true novel allowing nancy drew to save a man from himself mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which yeah. is what she does with grumper is talk him down from his evil plot to essentially commit homicide suicide and then in fact rescue him from his situation <laughs> it's infantile can't a man of short stature be left alone to homicide suicide <laughs> which is a ridiculous scenario to begin with right. all over some bell that he just has to have yeah well we and we talked about this was so strange mm -hmm. when there were two gentlemen uh with dwarfism they were they were like a circus they were just background to you know two people like that but when he comes into the foreground they kind of leave behind some of that and he becomes the arch enemy of the bell collector but even then he's he's portrayed as some sort of a gosh i hate to say leprechaun but like a red-haired mm -hmm. steely i mean it, it becomes it becomes just as gross in a new way when they focus on him right because they let go of the idea of this is comedy and then now he is a spectacle he is an other in uh -huh. the scary sense yeah like this is a quote-unquote freak this is somebody to fear you can't win for losing no and I find it chilling how often we go to research stereotypes and Nancy Drew has followed them to the letter. Right. And it's almost like they, they took all the stereotypes and they're like, let's check these all off our list. Or helped create. I mean, you have to wonder. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's going to go both ways, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what we've talked about with Nancy Drew to begin with is like as a part of pop art, to what degree did she create society and to what degree did she get birthed from the society? That's why it's so important to know these ugly stereotypes without reinforcing them because following them also creates them. It continues them. Yeah. It's the source points out that people perceive dwarfs as weird, incapable, and childlike, and also that they are objects of entertainment. So you're right, if people are kind towards people with dwarfism, there will be a tendency to say, oh, you poor thing, oh, you little person, let me do everything for you, or um, let me assume you're incapable of taking care of yourself. Well, I don't think there's anyone amongst us who doesn't just want to be a person. Again, when we're talking about, like, just make it so they can reach the library shelves and the ATMs, like, you again this is a disorder this is that is a disability only because of our society not being built around their height mm -hmm. 
I had a coworker who I think she was, and I didn't understand it at the time, but I think she would often be like, I am four foot 11, I think. Mm. So I didn't understand, but if four foot 10 is the cutoff, she may have been trying to say, look, I'm not a little person, or maybe I had it backwards and it was the other way around. We might not want to put this part in. But, <laughs> Sorry. But my point was going to be uh, that she just needed basic accommodations. She just needed like a stool that she could step up on because yes, our whole entire workplace wasn't even made for, you know, five foot tall people, let alone four foot tall people. Any workplace with a break room mm -hmm. shows that we all need accommodation. Yeah, we all do. And what she needed amounted to a plastic like step stool. Sure. You know, and what I need is, you know, Dr. Schultz. Like we need things. People, especially when getting to know her, would assume that she was childlike. Mm. Not helped by the fact that she had been very sheltered, but she could also be sassy. And then they were always surprised. <laughs> but also they assumed she needed help with a lot of things she didn't need help with. Mm. And they would also grumble about how much help she needed. When in reality, <laughs> she was the strongest person I worked with. Yeah. Like she could lift a lot of weight. No way for her to win there. But she just couldn't get high enough for things that were not placed, you know, with, with again, anyone below five feet tall in mind. Mm. I'm not even that tall, but I am definitely tall enough that I had many coworkers who would have to ask me to get something down from somewhere. Mm. Um, so the place was not built for a certain height. <laughs> Uh, but the other thing I dislike, and I noticed in reading this article, uh, Pritchard called out in particular a number of movies, and I'm not going to be able to get into all of them, but she talked about Mini-Me. Oh, sure. And my manager would refer to my coworker as Mini-Me. Mm. And even at the time, it bothered me, but I didn't really think about it too much. But I think that there's, there is this way in which we each of us pulls from the media we've been exposed to it's kind of interesting these raw conversations that we don't usually include uh in our podcast that are clearly our own discomfort and our own ignorance um coming to light and like how do we handle this and how do we learn and that's something it, it, you just never get done learning mm. because we are just put into this big old soup marinade <laughs> of americanism that <laughs> First of all, we're still within. Mm -hmm. And second of all, scrubbing off everything we've been immersed in in our whole life, getting it out of our pores, detoxing from it mm. is so difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not a work that's ever like, oh, I can just put this on the shelf. Mm -hmm. So um, Pritchard even talked about, along with this unwanted attention, people will just assume that they can take photographs oh, goodness. of little people. And that's, again, telling of how much little people are thought of as there for our commodification, for our entertainment as as uh, not short stature people. Very gross, yeah. I mean, I, you have to hope that uh, people are learning and growing in this way. I mean, you have Peter Dinklage, who, amazing actor. Yeah, Pritchard points out that Peter Dinklage is changing a bit the conversation. Yes. yes. And he has, I think, a chondroplasia. He, he said, you know, cute elves, buffoonish leprechauns, these are generally off the menu. Um, that's not what he was willing to do. 
Mm-hmm. Representations of dwarves are part of the social barriers that dwarves encounter and thus can be seen as a contributing factor to dwarves' disability. That's a quote directly from Pritchard. I mean, you think about Vern Troyer, uh, rest in peace, who had to see the role of Mini-Me, which I have to imagine would be a huge break for any actor mm-hmm. to be in that level of movie. And and I don't know everything he, he'd done before that, but any actor knows it's tough to get good or big roles so you get offered that i don't know what i would do you know and i can't imagine the fight that that put peter dinklage through mm-hmm. to have to get where he is you know every every person of small stature who is in the wizard of oz deserves our every respect and praise for doing what they could but we need to see people as people yeah and until we do we won't fix problems we won't accommodate and uh we will isolate and other anybody who doesn't fit our idea of american i was gonna say anybody who crosses nancy drew yes well which is anybody who yeah nancy drew decides to other well this is uh this has been lovely to talk about hope thank you so much mm-hmm. thanks for tuning in to another river heights radio minisode i'm carl and i'm hope until next time go, go wildcats wild